Quick question for you. Are you a Federal Access member yet? If you're a government contractor, you need a Federal Access account. You can get started today with a free membership. Just visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Free members get access to about 20 documents and templates as well as our video training playbooks. More importantly, this gets you in the RSM Federal ecosystem and makes you part of our community. So go grab your free account today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Michael Lejeune here and I am your host today on Game Changers. And we're going to be doing something a little different today. Uh, We've done it once or twice, but uh, what we're going to be doing today is we're not going to have a guest. It's just going to be me and you for about 30-40 minutes and uh, I'm going to be giving you a ton of information on how to take your government business from good to great. Yes, that's it's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. How to take your government business from good to great. And you know, when I was preparing this podcast today, I was like, wow, I think I have more notes on this podcast than I may have had ever on a podcast. So I have a ton of information to get to uh, today on this podcast. Uh, I don't mean to talk super fast, but uh, you know, when I get excited, if you've listened to the podcast before, get a little excited. We talk kind of fast. So if you need to pause it and go back, you know, please do that. But there's just, there's so much information in here. I want to make sure I get this stuff to you and I really respect your time. So I want to try to get it in, in the, uh, in the time here, we, we try to have allotted for each show. So with that, I'm going to just go ahead and jump right in. You know, there, there's a few people that are probably new, don't know anything about me. So just real quick, some fun facts about me for our new listeners today. Uh, I'm an army veteran. So, uh, you know, and it's, it's one of those things where you join the army, your last name is Lejeune and you don't find out there's a camp Lejeune and you're in the wrong place until, you know, like day two of basic training. (laughs) So that was kind of awkward, but uh, I love being in the army. It was a great experience and uh, I, I wouldn't change that for the world. So that actually got me into government contracting. And so I, I got out of the army, went into a small government uh, contracting firm with uh, the, the colonel that I worked for in the army. So that's how I kind of got the job and then became a successful government contractor. You know, what does that mean? So I, I started in the help desk, got into engineering, got into sales, got into leadership and management, all within three and a half years of being in this business. And I woke up one day and I was running a small software company and we were doing about a million dollars in sales when I took over. And then next thing I know, uh, we're up to 12, $13 million and just growing very steadily. And so it, it was trial under fire learning how to grow that business. And so that that was where I initially got a lot of my experience in government contracting that I'm now able to share with our clients. And so that kind of was a springboard for me to become a business owner back in 2005. Then I became a certified master business coach uh, under Tony Robbins and under a couple of other different organizations so I could really coach business owners on how to how to really grow their business. And so long story short, over the last five, six years, our clients in the government contracting space have won $1.6 billion 
using the expertise that myself and my partner have on how to win government contracts. So this is not just somebody who started a podcast, folks. This is somebody who who does this for a living and, and helps clients every single day. And I don't say that to brag in any kind of way. And I've always heard, you know, it, it ain't bragging if it's the truth, right? Well, $1.6 billion in government contracts is, is, is a lot. So, uh, so we take a lot of pride in that. And so you're going to learn a lot of the strategies that we have used, not only in our personal business, but with our clients today on this podcast. And so that's what I'm really excited about you hearing today is, is those techniques and strategies that you're just not going to hear from anyone else. No one else is going to share the stuff that I'm going to share with you today. So for the podcast today, I want to give you a quick little overview of what we're going to cover. There are nine key strategies that every government contractor needs to master in order to go from good to great. We're going to cover those. Are there others Absolutely. But I've really boiled it down to the nine that were absolutely critical for every single client that I've ever worked with. See, every business is a little bit different. And what I found is, you know, the skill sets of the owners and team and all that stuff are, are very, very different from business to business. But out of all the things that we have done to help clients, these nine seem to be the ones that were in every single one of those. So it's kind of like that foundation that no matter where they were, whether they were limping along or doing really well, these nine key strategies that we're going to talk about today were the ones that helped them go to that next level and become great businesses in this space. So we're going to be talking about that. You're going to learn from that how to experience some explosive growth in your business. And more importantly, you're going to learn how to shift your focus and your mindset towards long-term growth, because that's one of the biggest keys for a lot of people is they don't understand that in, in most companies, you are in what I call survival mode. You are in the short-term focus and short-term could be as long as a year out. It really could. You know, you're thinking, well, that's really, that's a long space. No, no, no. Short term could be as far as a year out. But long term thinkers are thinking 10, 15, 20 years down the road. They're thinking about strategy. And, and you know, I, I get it. Technology changes, you know, lifestyles change, where you are, you know, kids grow up and change, you know, your, uh, your priorities in life and different things like that. But people are typically, the ones that are going from good to great are thinking very long term about what they're trying to do. And they're solving problems today that are going to impact the long term. So a lot of people, they wake up one day and they're doing great in government contracting or, or they're doing, you know, in their mind, hey, we're doing great. You know, we've, we've been doing this, we've been doing that, we've, uh, we've won some contracts. And then they sit back and they go, you know, maybe... We're doing great for us, but I think in the grand scheme of things, we're just doing good. We could be so much better. And so these are the people that, you know, you're listening today and you're thinking, I thought we were doing great, but then I started evaluating things and realized we're just, we're just doing good. We're getting by uh, where we have a great lifestyle from this business, but I think we can help so many more people. I think we can you know, have, have more market share. I think we can accomplish so much more as a company and you don't know how to do it. You're like, you've, you've hit the edge or the ceiling of your knowledge and you're looking for new tips, new strategies. How do I go from where I am 
to this other place. And so that's a lot about what I'm going to be talking about today. And so let me let me tell you real quick, going from good to great is not about a couple of things. So I, I want to tell for people that are, are listening and thinking, well, okay, he's going to get on here and he's going to share some magic beans with me, you know, some ancient hidden secret that, uh, that no one knows about government contracting. That is not what going from good to great is about. So it's not about winning more contracts. It's not about, you know, getting some magic beans or learning some ancient secret. It's not about working harder or more hours believe it or not. It's not about creating a new business plan. It's not about firing your staff and starting over. And it's not about working more in your business. So going from good to great is really about winning the right contracts. And this is a big one. Winning the right contracts is crucial from going, you know, if you want to go from good to great, you know, it's about mastering the fundamentals. It's about working smarter. It's about applying new techniques and strategies. It's about growing the right team. And it's really about working mostly on your business instead of in it. And so those are some of the fundamentals we're going to be hitting today. So let me just jump right into, you know, strategy number one, you know, this, this first key here. And this is one where, when I initially say it, I think a lot of light bulbs are going to go off for people. So it is focusing on cash flow versus growth by revenue. And so what I mean by that, what I mean by that is the average government contractor is focused on revenue and contract wins. We just want to win more contracts. You know, that's our focus. And where you need to shift your focus is to the cash flow analysis of those contracts. And so what I mean by that is looking at contracts and not just looking at them from a perspective of, hey, there's there's big dollars out here and we want to win that contract. But, you know, what are the dirty details of that? So l- let me give you an example. So example contract number one is a million dollar contract. It's got a five-year term which means you're going to do about 200000 a year in, on average in revenue. In fact, the first year may be a little slow because it's getting up and running. So you may be doing less or close to nothing in that first year. And you're going to start to do more in the, you know, the, the next few years that you have in there. And so and let's assume for all the examples we talk about today, your profit margin is 15%. So on average, that means you're going to earn around thirty thousand per year in profit. You know, because you got you got you know five years at two hundred thousand, fifteen percent margin. You're gonna you're gonna earn about thirty k in profit per year for that. Now, here's the one big downside of a long term contract like this: they're slow. Yep, you heard me right. They're slow, and so I, I equate a lot of these contracts like this and let's say it wasn't a one million dollar contract let's say it was a 25 million or 50 million or 100 million or you know some idiq and idiqs are really painful too because you know you win some of those and you win the right to compete on the task orders so you've really won nothing until you've won a task order right and so you know a lot of those are out there and they look really good you've won the idiq but now you're sitting there and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And yes, and waiting some more just for them to drop 
a couple of task orders for you to bid and then you don't win you don't win the first one you don't win the second one. you win like third or fourth so now you could be two years into this idiq and you haven't seen a dime of money but you've spent a lot of time and resources going after it back to our example here you know on this just this million dollar contract where you've won it it's not an idiq or anything like that you've won the contract it's a five-year term maybe a couple of the years or even options so you're not even guaranteed all the money and it may take you 12 months to collect your first dollar out of that contract. And when you think about that, that means, you know, you've spent all that time and energy and it may take 12 months or more before you see a penny. That's a long time to wait for some money to come in for your business. And you can't count that revenue today. You can't pay bills with it today. You can't do anything with it today. You got to wait till you collect it, right? So... Let's take a look at a smaller contract, a $400,000 contract, and it's going to get done this year. It's it's not a multi-year thing. It's a one, you know, it's a project almost, you know, if you look at it from that perspective. It's $400,000. It's all going to be done under this one term, same profit margin. Guess what? This one, if you got the same profit margin, but you're all doing it all in one year, you're going to have 60k in profit out of that. That's going to be collected typically faster. So it's going to be within six to eight months. So this $400,000 contract that looked like, well, it's less than half of the million dollar one. It could put $60,000 worth of profit in your bank this year versus the other one is very likely to not put a dime in your bank at all for 12 months, maybe more, just depends. So, and we don't have to stop there. You know, we can look at another example because you're like, well, that's kind of an extreme. Well, well let's go all the way down to a $100,000 contract. Again, it's a $100,000 contract. It's basically like a project, you know, so it's a, it's a quick turnaround because it's even smaller. Profit margin's the same. You're only going to do 15000 in profit on this one. But guess what? The turnaround is probably three to four months to collect on this one, maybe six months. So you could do a couple of these a year, maybe more, maybe even simultaneously because it doesn't consume the resources that the other ones do, and you can actually make more money. You see, the, the challenge for a lot of business owners is they don't think in terms of profit. They think in terms of revenue. They think, how big is our company? Well, how much revenue have we done? We've done $10 million, so we're a $10 million company. I look at that and say, I really don't care if you've done $10 million or $20 million, how much profit are you making? And that's a shift in your mindset that you've got to make right away is we're focused on profit, not revenue. Revenue's great when it generates profit. It's even better in the examples I gave you here where it generates cash flow on a quick and consistent basis. So I, I hope you, you really grasp that because it's one of the most important things I'm going to say on this podcast today is really wrapping your head around the fact that you, you really need to shift your mindset from revenue to profit, okay? And so I'll probably spend a little bit more time on that one than I will on some of these others, but this is, this is a huge point for you to grasp because once you do, you'll start to look at contracts differently. You'll start to look at things on FBO differently. You'll even start to look at how you talk to your customers about projects a little differently because you're wanting to put cash flow into the business quicker because guess what? Growth costs money. If you want to hire and get to these other strategies, you need money to inject into the company 
in order to grow, in order to become great. So that's why I hit this one first. Cash flow really is king when you start to look at the growth of the business and when you start to think about becoming great. So you really need that cash flow to implement a lot of these other strategies, which, you know, we're going to jump right into strategy number two, which is growing your team. And how are you going to grow a team? Uh, you're going to have to pay people, right? You're, you're going to have to pay people. And so that costs what? It costs money to do that. And even if you're not going to uh, hire some new people, but you're going to promote some people, there's some money. Even if you're not going to promote some people, but you're going to get them some training, that costs money. You need money to be able to inject into those roles. That's again why we focus on the cash flow first. And so back to number two here, when you are growing your team, I want you to understand this is one of the fastest ways to really accelerate your revenue is growing the right team. Because here's, here's what you're looking for when you're growing the right team. What are your skill gaps? What are some key roles that have gone unfilled? You know, those are some things you're thinking about because you're looking at, at critical things like there's there's four functional areas in the business. And so when I look at that, there's some things I look at. Let's look at sales first. You know, we're, we're talking about roles that have gone unfilled, gaps in skills, things like that. If I look at my sales team and I have a salesperson, you know, they're, they're, they're like a, a one-man band, a one-man army, right, an army of one, and, and that's all there is. They can only do so much. At some point, I need a VP or director of sales, and I need territory managers in order to really, really grow, okay? And so that's one of those areas where it's going to cost some money to ramp that up. Or if you've got somebody who has just been in sales, they may need the right training in order to be a better sales manager, if you will, okay? So there's a lot to look at investing in sales. When it comes to marketing, you're wanting a VP of marketing, maybe a communication slash media planner type of person. You know, marketing is a very key role in the business because we don't get more sales usually without the right marketing mindset around that. Some salespeople can do it all on their own, but it really takes in order to go from good to great, it really takes a marketing team who's helping craft the message, okay, and, and really focused on that message and, and focused on long-term long and focused on big growth for the company. Another key area here in those four functional areas is operations. So I really feel like when you get to a certain level, you need a chief operations officer, you need a CFO, you need a contracts team, you need a team on the back end who they're helping look at those contracts to say, hey guys, I see this one's a million, uh, but it's a five-year term versus this 400,000 one that's a one-year term. I, I really, if we're stretched for resources, let's go after the 400,000 one, okay? Now, you don't want to always only go after that one. You want to go after others, but you need a contracts team who's there helping make those decisions. And typically, if you have a contracts team, they can probably go after all the contracts. Because I know that's a question some of you had. You're saying, well, if I have the option to go after three different types of contracts, do I only choose one? Well, it depends on the resources you have. When you don't have enough resources, yes, you can only choose one. 
maybe two of those to go after. And a lot of times you need to choose cash flow over long term just because of the way it works. Okay. But in the long term, you're going to be going after all three. You want long term cash flow to be trickling in through these back end bigger contracts, but you need the cash flow up front to stay afloat to make it so that you can get to the long term. Okay. So a contracts team is great for that. You know, a CFO is, you know, phenomenal at doing a lot of things. That's not just a numbers cruncher on your team. I have worked with CFOs that were number crunchers and they're really glorified CPAs in some companies. I'm looking for a CFO that can help us make financial decisions about the company. I'm looking for a CFO that can work with the contracts team on margins and pricing and different things like that. For a CFO that's really savvy on how we're going to get from point A to point B financially with the company. And somebody who may say, hey guys, um, I know our long-term strategy is this sort of growth, but I, I really need you to focus on this type of contract right now or whatever it may be. We need a CFO that's really plugged in and you know they've rolled their sleeves up and they're getting their hands dirty. You know, on the on the chief operating officer side of that, that's usually the key role in the company that allows you, if you're the owner of the business, to kind of step back and let them run the day to day while you're focused on growth. You're focused on the business. So the other option is you're focused on the day to day and the chief operation officer is focused on overall growth working on the business. So there's just a couple of distinctions there. there there's, and by the way, there's no wrong answer to how that works. It's just what you're most comfortable with and how your team works. Okay. So the other thing here is your customer support side. I always recommend at some point you have some sort of director or VP of customer support, and you're probably going to need call center staff or customer support staff of some sort. Those are key roles you're going to need on your team, again, in order to get from where you are to that great status so that you can really diversify a lot of the jobs that are being done and you can provide great support. You know, you, you can't always be a one person company where you are doing sales, you're doing marketing, you're doing operations and you're doing support that only flies for so long. At some point, you got to build this team. And those are four key functional areas. There sales, marketing, operations and customer support where you absolutely need the team to help you take take things to the next level. So the next point here, point three is diversifying your strategy. A lot of companies are like, they're like a big table with only one or two legs. And, and you know, that that's very wobbly. It's not very stable, but it's the reality for a lot of companies. And their primary leg is typically FBO and maybe some prime contractor partners. So that that's typically where a lot of companies are. And so we want you to evolve out of that into kind of a, a multi-leg approach here where you're actually creating more strategies or more techniques in your strategy uh, in order to go after these contracts. And so here, here's just a couple of legs that you need to be thinking about. Again, you may have thought about any one of these. And in fact, you know, you may not be using FBO. You may be using another one of these strategies. And FBO needs to be something that you need to put in there. FedBizOps, for those who don't know what FBO is, that may be the strategy you need to implement. But here are just a couple of the ones that I want you to be thinking about. Simplified acquisitions. A lot of people know the term. They know it's super sexy. It's a great idea, but they don't know anything about simplified acquisitions and how your company can be getting quick contracts 
under this process. That could be a leg you add to your table. Year-end planning. Again, a lot of people know that the government likes to spend money towards the end of the fiscal year, but they don't know how to take advantage of it. You can learn how to take advantage of it, and you can work that into your strategy of when you need to start executing on year-end planning contracts, okay? That's, that's just another great strategy for you. Another one is looking at strategic account targets. So saying, hey, we want to work with everybody in the Army. We want to work with Fort Hood and Fort Bliss and Fort whatever, you know, and, and start looking at some of those targets. And we want to work with, you know, uh, 4th Infantry Division or whatever it is. Start setting some of those targets because the more specific you get, the easier it is to say, Okay, now how, who are we going to meet? Who are we going to go and talk to? Um, when a job comes up, we want to be the first ones they think of. The strategic account targets is, again, it's something that when you're in the survival stage of your business, you don't often think about. So start thinking about strategic accounts. Another great one is unsolicited proposals. I have made unsolicited proposals to the White House in the past and gotten letters from the president's chief of staff. And it was a wonderful thing for our business. So unsolicited proposals is a way to go about things. So, you know, that's something you can put on your radar. SBIRs. So the Small Business Innovative Research Projects, uh, that is a great way to have the government fund you know, your business in some ways, and then you'll own all the intellectual property at the end of it. And a side note here, I actually have a really good friend of mine who's going to come on and tell you how their company raised about $20 million through SBIRs uh, before they wound up selling their company for a really nice price down the road. So SBIRs is a, is a great way to go about this. But again, you may not know anything about SBIRs. That's something you need to look into. Sources sought. Again, this is one of those things that I see a lot of companies overlook when they're in survival mode is like, yeah, we're not responding to sources sought. Start looking at sources sought. Start helping contractors create some of the language that are, that goes into these sources sought and the actual contracts. So that's something you need to be doing. The other one is expiring contracts. You could be looking at contracts that are expiring and saying, hey, how are we going to go after expiring contracts? How are we going to identify them? And how are we going to start positioning for them? So these are all just legs you can add to your table here to make your company you know, much more diverse, but also much more stable in the long run. So some really good strategies there. So number four is build an advisory board. So I, I always recommend this when you get to that, that five, $8 million range. Start looking at building an advisory board. You're looking for key industry players with influence. So these are people that, you know, people would recognize their name and they have some sort of influence. You only want successful advisors in here. You know, you want people who have, they have done what you have done and they are successful. You don't want your cousin's neighbor's brother's out of work dog walker who has time on his hands. You want somebody in your space. Okay. And sometimes people are like, I just need an advisor. No, no. You want people in your space who were successful, okay? And typically, you want people in your space who are not controversial, 
so that's that's another big thing too is you don't want to get somebody who is huge in the political scene and regardless of which party they're in they're bashing one party or another or they've created some sort of con- like you don't need that sort of controversy when you're a little company you don't need it when you're a big company but you don't need it when you're a little company that's for sure your board should be able to open doors for you uh, you will have to compensate them somehow, and it could be just at their quarterly meeting. You know, you ha- you have a quarterly meeting, and they get paid some sort of uh, cash, or they get paid some sort of stock incentive. Uh, there's a lot of ways to compensate them, but uh, you will need to compensate them. That's that's really the best way to do this. Another thing about the advisory board is a lot of people are always asking me, well, what do they do? Well, they make introductions on your behalf. They expand your knowledge and expertise. They coach and guide you and your team. They hold you accountable to your plan. You know, they give you a sounding board for new ideas. And guess what? They help you make critical condition, uh, critical decisions as a team. So you're going through as a team making decisions about your business, not doing it solo by yourself. And those are really important when you're bringing on a, an advisory board. So the next one is thought leadership. So this is number five, thought leadership. You know, when I look at who the most successful people are in an industry, it's always the expert in their field. So you want to get known as the expert in your field. And what do experts do? Experts create artifacts. You know, they have opinions and they share them with the world through their artifacts. And so here's just four quick ways on how you can create some of those artifacts. And so number one here is articles are a podcast. And I say articles are a podcast is some people do both and you could do both. There's no, there's no problem with that. But if you poll your audience, you're going to find out if they like to read articles or if they like to listen to podcasts. And back in the day we were writing articles left and right. And that was, you know, it it was what it was, but we actually found that we polled a bunch of our clients And we pulled a bunch of our non-clients and the people that had never became a client all liked reading articles and everybody who had become a client liked listening to podcasts. So guess what we did? We shifted our focus from articles to podcasts because our buyers listen to podcasts. Our tire kickers read articles. And so some of our podcast listeners also read articles. But the fact is, 100% of our clients listen to podcasts, so that's why we shifted our focus. And so I'd recommend you pick between the two. Another thing you can do is write a book. It's so easy to self-publish these days, and you can do it for free or very, very cheap. There's a lot of resources on the internet. Uh, If you go to Amazon's CreateSpace or Lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com, either one of those places you can uh, self-publish for free. Or there's a list of resources to help you do your editing, to help you do your cover creation and all that good stuff, okay? So that it's very, very simple to write a book these days. Another thing you need to do is speak at conferences. I can't say this one enough. You need to speak at conferences as an expert. You need to be on stage in front of your peers and on stage in front of your customers, on average, speakers make about 40 to 60% more than their peers. So think about that. You will make more when you speak in front of your clients. So it's very, very uh, simple to do. Put together a speaker packet. You need a session abstract. You need a bio. You need some images of yourself. 
and you need some testimonials in it. And that's about all you need in your uh, your speaker packet. The other thing you need to do, uh, you know, number four here on the uh, on the ways to create some artifacts is social media. I recommend everybody in the government should have a LinkedIn profile. You know, if you're selling to the government, you need that. And I also recommend sort of a business page and a business showcase page. You know, those those things are a must for you. Facebook and Twitter are nice to have. Um, and in fact, you know, you can link, you know, you know, your LinkedIn to your Facebook and your Twitter so that when you post on LinkedIn through, you know, Hootsuite or whatever you're using, it, it'll post to the other places. But LinkedIn is a must for you to have. Okay. So number six here on our list is I want you to think about investing in training not just regular training. I want you to invest in training with a purpose. Go back to your key functional areas, sales, marketing, operations, customer service. Look at those and, you know, create a list of where your gaps are. You know, where do you feel you're ill-equipped? And those are the places you need to start looking at investing in training, okay? And I want you to look at it from a regular interval cycle. What can you do on a weekly basis? What can you do on a monthly basis? What can you do on a quarterly and annual basis, you know, maybe on a weekly thing, you know, you're, you're getting together weekly with your team for 10, 15 minutes on a Monday morning. And you're talking about a strategy that everybody can use for sales or everybody in the company can use to talk about a new product you just released. It's just training with a purpose with your team. You know, maybe on a monthly basis, you are doing a book study with your team and you're reading a business book with your team and maybe the sales team's reading one book, marketing's reading a book, customer services reading a different book. That could be the way it is. And maybe quarterly you're all getting together for a day or two off site and doing some training. Maybe annually you're doing a retreat. But be thinking about that because training with a purpose typically makes more money for the company. So I, I see it always happen when it's done right. So our last two, or actually our last three here, we're going we're gonna to go pretty quick because I want to, again, I want to respect your time. I want you to bring in a coach or a consultant. That's number seven. And I know that seems like a shameless plug for us. It doesn't have to be us. It could be anyone. But I want you to bring in a coach or a consultant at some point. I want you to get an assessment of your entire company, even if you have to pay extra for that. And, and do that, do this regularly. You know, go and bring in a consultant. And have them do an assessment of the whole company so you can get an outside perspective on what you're doing. Now, here's the thing. You need to approach this with an open mind. You need to approach this that even though they're not in your company, that they're going to have great suggestions because they're looking at it from a perspective that you're not looking at it from, okay? And so my preference is to actually bring in for somebody from outside your industry. I think they offer a lot of value and can ask a lot of questions that people inside your industry want to ask. And I think the really cool thing about bringing somebody from outside your industry is they're not going to put you in the same cookie cutter mold as if you brought in an IT consultant, you know, who has worked with IT, you know, security intrusion companies or whatever it is you do. You know, you're, you're bringing in somebody who is more generic. They're not going to put you in the same cookie cutter mold as that specialty coach or consultant where he's telling everybody that's out there to do the exact same thing so that all those companies look alike. Your advice is going to help you look different than those companies. So that that's why I really like having that outside advice. So a lot of the heavy lifting and the majority of the cost will probably be up front in that first three to six months, and then it should taper off. Okay. Now here's just real quick. Here's some benefits of working with a coach. You're going to make fewer mistakes. 
You're going to make more money. You're going to have that additional layer of accountability. You're going to have somebody to confide in. They are going to focus on the big picture. And one of my best pieces of this is that I could tell you is they're going to tell it like it is. They're going to give you the down and dirty and ugly truth of, of whatever it is. And that's super important. If they're not giving you the down and dirty, ugly truth, then you probably need to consider a different coach or consultant. So, and last but not least on that, please consider, you know, working with somebody long-term, even if you need to switch up here and there, you need to have somebody in, in your life like this, because, you know, it takes a long time to break any of your bad habits and create new good habits. And so you, you can't do that in three months. A lot of times you need somebody to work with on and on to make that work for you. So, so our last two here, again, real quick, we're going to go through these. Number eight is innovation. And innovation can come in form of new technologies, processes, you know, benefits like shipping and customer service, you know, it's smarter, faster delivery, things like that. What I want you to do in order to look at innovation is focus on complementary products and services or delivery methods that you hadn't thought of before. Okay. It's complementary stuff. Don't go and create a whole new product line for innovation. I mean, that can come, but the majority of time, the biggest bang for your buck comes when you focus on complementary products and services. And then here's another key to the innovation. Challenge the status quo in your industry. If shipping status quo is two to four weeks, how can you do it in three days? How can you do it in 24 hours? You know, what are the status quos in your industry that you can challenge as a team and innovate past your competition? You don't always have to spend money to innovate. You just have to outthink somebody to innovate typically. So number nine, and, and this one is, a lot of people are going to hear this one go, are you kidding me? But I'm telling you, I've made so much money with number nine. Pick up the phone and then go for a visit and see your customers. So most contractors have an email and fax relationship with their clients. This is not good for long-term relationships. You need to start arranging site visits. And arranging a site visit is simple as this. You call your client and say, you know, Hey, Jane, I'm going to be uh, in your area on Monday the 5th and Tuesday the 6th next month. I would love to drop in and say hi. Would either of those days work for you? That's all you have to do. That's as simple as it is to score a site visit with one of your clients. That's all you have to do. And And the benefits are huge. This is a place where once you get on site, your clients will tell you the truth that they may not have shared over the phone or through email. They'll tell you the truth about who you, how they approach you, how they look at your company. If there's problems they've had with your customer service, the truth always comes out when you're face to face. It also shows that you really care about them when you show up like this. You know, face to face is the best way to get your message across. You know, you you're you've got new product lines coming out. You do things that they've never purchased and you don't know why they've never purchased this complimentary product or service. This is a great place to talk about that. It also demonstrates the maturity of your company. Small companies don't do these site visits. Bigger companies, bigger more mature companies do these site visits, okay? You will also find out their biggest pains and struggles from going on a site visit. You will learn their language and you will gain valuable intelligence. What do those last two mean? You'll learn the words they use when they're describing their problems, when they're describing your services. And you can mix that language in your proposals. 
you can mix the, that language in your email and in your conversation. You can start to speak their language. And, you know, the last one there about gaining valuable intelligence, you'll see things around their place. You'll talk to them about things that are going on and you'll gain intelligence that will help you help them. And so I hope you've gotten a lot out of these nine today. There's so many things here. Uh, in fact, I'm doing a webinar and um, we just we just did it. Uh, I just created the webinar this week. It's going out uh, in a couple of days here. So you'll be able to look inside Federal Access and grab the uh, the webinar in there for those of our members. And the webinar is it is entitled, you know, taking your company from good to great as well. So it's really focused on this. It dives a little deeper into some of these strategies. And uh, I, I hope you really enjoy the webinar. If you've got any questions, as always, you can reach out to us and be happy to help you with that. And, you know, last but not least, I'll, I want to thank all our listeners today that joined us for this episode. I know this one went a little bit long, but there's some really good stuff in here. And uh, I just want you to, to go back and listen to it maybe another time or two and just absorb all the cool stuff in here. Please remember that you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every single episode. And while you're there, if you could, if you don't mind, please rate our show. We get you know, we get more listeners when you go and actually put a rating in there and, and some sort of little comment about it. That really helps us out, so I appreciate that. And uh, I'd also, if you're not a Federal Access member, please go and visit visit federal-access.com where you can uh, sign up today and you can learn how to get a free copy of the government sales manual when you become a member. Be sure to tune in next week for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash game changers.